Welcome to Episode Party, the podcast where we talk about our favourite podcasts. I'm Jack Tudor. I'm Freddie Harrison. And, and I'm guess... probably not supposed to introduce myself at this point. <laughs> <laughs> My hero. That voice is Stuart Goldsmith. Hello. Podcaster. Hello, Stuart. Um, so we're here to talk about some podcast recommendations. We've all brought one to the table. Freddie's going to kick us off. Freddie, dive in. Okay, um, this was a podcast that I found about the very beginning of this year, and it struck a chord with me for, for lots and lots of reasons. So the podcast is called Capital. Um, it's an improvised comedy about a referendum that brings back capital punishment with a 51% majority. And if you live in the UK, or you know anything about the UK, you may see some parallels at this point. That's right, we voted for capital punishment, and uh, it's not good. But... <laughs> It's an improvised comedy, and someone made the comparison to the thick of it, and uh, I think I've watched that four or five times now, and so I I had to had to listen, and um, it really didn't disappoint me at all. It's just um, it's just really funny, but in a in a kind of way that um, I was chatting with someone about this the other day, and how the the only way to deal with our political situation in the country right now is through comedy, in my mind. Um, and so this was just a fun listen for me. It, you know, like I said, it's improv, so it can get a little bit weird, but not as weird as some of the other recommendations <laughs> we've got on this episode. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we'll, we'll get to those. But I just, I just thought it was, it was just a, it was just a nicely done little episodical podcast um, and a nicely done little story. I just thought it was really well put together. I thought it kind of hit the right tone in terms of kind of the parallels it was trying to draw. And um, yeah, I just had some really good laugh out loud moments. Jack, I've done a really bad job of describing that, but perhaps <laughs> your um, reaction might fill in some blanks without obviously giving it away too much. Yeah, so I mean, I, I saw the comparison to the thick of it as well, uh, which made sense because it is this comedy that arises out of bureaucracy and buzzwords and people basically spouting shit at each other just to try and make the committee work. And I really like one of the things that I like that's a parallel to the thick of it for me is, as you say, it's improvised everyone's getting in there everyone's having their say and everyone's kind of got a line that they're shooting across each other and some of the jokes run like right under the dialogue so someone will say something and it's just like none of the characters acknowledge it or anything and it's like straight through into the next bit of conversation it's just caught up in the ramble and those are always the bits that in the thick of it really made me laugh it's like the offhanded mutterings like almost the internal dialogue just spilling out for a second yeah Um, it has that kind of uh, Aaron Sorkin quality you know from the West Wing where people would always walk and talk at the same Mm. time so the rhythms of speech would seem far more realistic because they aren't oh I mean they are actors waiting for their line but they've been composed such that everyone's talking over everyone else yeah I Mm. like it and also as well I think what's really good is that the 
the scenarios of being in a meeting like this, like it's a bunch of civil servants all trying to talk this through, and having four comedians in like that kind of context. Uh, the fact that there's people there just waiting to let their brains kind of spout stuff forth, uh, it's a very conducive kind of setup for four comedians to be in and to be constantly trying to get their word in and constantly trying to make their voice heard. So I, I think that the format really lends itself well to that. I have, <clears throat> there were moments where it kind of spirals away from the point, which is the whole point, I guess. It's the fact that they are, because it's this committee and it's really unwieldy and Charlotte wants to do anything she can to just bring everyone together and everyone's too polite to steer everything back or lose, you know, loses sight, basically, of what they're there to do. It just ends up spiralling into these, like, absurd corners uh, where they're drawing these strange analogies or playing these strange games to try and, you know, get some energy into the room. And some of those points actually lost me and lost my interest a little bit. Um, I thought the comic, like, comedic energy kind of started to wilt, or at least it started to fall out of parallel with what I find funny. Um, I also thought, like, the Brexit stuff was a tiny bit on the nose, like, the the, the bit with Harry Enfield, <laughs> like... A tiny bit. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, you know, where they talk about the 51% majority, and they talk about being overwhelming majority, there's talk of hard and soft, and I was like, okay, guys, like, I think, you know, the, it, it's not subtext anymore, it's text. But it was, you know, I, I really, I, I did enjoy it, and I feel like as well it's one where it's just going to strengthen as it goes on and that ensemble of people start to really fortify what they're trying to do so yeah I mean Stuart what did you reckon? I did really enjoy it I think Liam Williams is excellent and I can just listen to his voice all day I think <laughs> Liam is just I, I mean he's I think he's a brilliant stand-up he's a brilliant uh his, his sketch groups sheeps uh also excellent I um I recognized one of the other voices a guy whose real name I don't know but he's um He's in a sketch group, which is just him, which is called Goose. So I imagine that he's called Goose, but he is called Goose. <laughs> um, I didn't recognise uh, the other voices particularly, and um, I, I thought they were all funny. But I think the thing is, Liam is just... Like, I'd listen, I, if I were to listen to it, and I'll be totally honest, I've got a lot of podcasts and uh, a lot of uh, not much time in which to listen to them, hey, but uh, I, haven't, I haven't continued with it. I probably yeah. would if, like, if my wife was listening to it. I'd probably tell her about it. She's a massive fan of Liam. And, um, and then I'd get back into it through her, potentially. Um, I think Liam, the... the the I'm not. I'm just going to spend <laughs> 15 minutes praising Liam. <laughs> is Liam the, um, the guy who's like this staunch pro? Yes. Capital, yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Great. Now, now yeah. as far as the, I know what you mean about saying it's a, you know, the fact it's a, a thinly veiled allegory for Brexit. It's not. It's just about Brexit. <laughs> but in the same, in the same way, like it does. I know what you mean. It does seem a little. It's almost like the stars have aligned too much that you can take this concept of of yeah. capital punishment, fifty one percent vote, hard and soft, and the rest of it, and it is a little bit. It's not. It's not wearing. It just. It's just such a good fit. They don't need to mention it so often. Yes. Right. But having said that, I do think the point of a sitcom, really, the situation in a sitcom, it doesn't need to be about anything at all. You know, comedians are always furious because they go and they've worked for three years on their dream sitcom pilot. And they go and have a meeting with the producer and the producer says, this is already this is this is great. But could we do the same thing if it was three black women in space? <laughs> <laughs> you know, comedians would throw their hands up. Going, That's not the point at all. But, you know, the producers are right because the situation shouldn't matter at all. So, mm. it, you know, what we're interested in is the interpersonal relationships. You know, the person I want to hear more from is this incredibly dour person, played by Liam, who wants to hang animal fiddlers, horse botherers, bankers, and fake dickers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like the, the kind of 
the madness of that, the fake Vickers. Like, it, to me, that speaks to, <laughs> I want to know more about this character because, like, what's his problem with fake Vickers? It just seems so complex. Now, the, the challenge with that, I think, is that he's become the only person, the only character I care about, which I suppose is, that's the sort of thing that can happen in a sitcom. You know, you, you really want to see Kramer or you really mm. want to see... Yeah. Another reference is on. Craig was a terror. Yeah, that's how up to date my sitcom is. <laughs> um, but you know, you—he's you, the person that I really care about, and I really want to hear more from. So the fact that it is—it's a bit too Brexity. It sort of doesn't matter um, because really, it's quite fun hearing a bunch of people in a room have quite. It's like a darker. What's it called? Is it W one A? Yes, What's exactly. The one that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. So the it's same. like that. Um, I think it's more like that than it is like the thick of it because it doesn't seem as satirical in all honesty. Like, really? because I, yeah, yeah. I, I think they, I think in, in the thick of it, what they're doing is satirizing the machinations of government. Whereas I think this like very specifically, whereas I think this is satirizing what people are like when people stand in a room together. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I like there's, there's this kind of almost like the marketing froth of, it's kind of about Brexit and it's kind of about capital punishment, which is brilliant because then it, it gives them a, a peg to hang it on. There we go. That's mm. the thing. They can explain it in you know three words. Um, <laughs> or how words I use. But, um, but I think ultimately it's not really about anything apart from the relationships of people having problems with each other, yeah. which is great and that's fine. But I think something like the thick of it is that, but it's also a really barbed satire on the way that people manipulate each other to political ends. Whereas yeah. this is just kind of like a bunch of daft leading towards dark uh, characters clashing. Having said that, I've only listened to one episode, but <laughs> I, I sort of expected it from, from hearing it's called Capital, it's about capital punishment, there's this Brexit angle, and it's dark. I expected it to be a bit more serious than it is. I'm not saying I wanted it to, but I sort of thought it was an opportunity. I thought, oh, like the thick of it, and I've come away thinking, oh, yeah, it's a bit like WNA. Yeah, I, I, yeah. S- I see what you're saying. I, I think um, what's really interesting actually with W1A is I watch it with my partner who works in marketing. And for her, it's pure catharsis because every time she comes home from a meeting, you know, Freddie, in fact, you've probably been in a similar scenario because you right. guys work together. I, I should at this point point out that I have not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. But like after a three hour meeting where nothing gets really said or done at all, and then to watch something like W1A where people are pinging back and forth and basically going, yeah, sure wow yeah hmm like that for you know hours and hours at a time i think she was like this is exactly my life and this is exactly my experience absolutely and i don't i'm I'm, i don't mean to portray this negatively at all i really enjoyed it i just think that it it doesn't also have that kind of visceral feeling Mm. that that the thick of it gave me yeah no that's that's very true yeah i mean i think i think w1a is a really good comparison actually because i think um I think they, they they all sit like W1A 2012 and and yeah. the thick of it all sit on this kind of spectrum and the thick of it's at the very very sharp end of people being mean to each other and the you know W1A is is a room full of people agreeing with each other to the point where it becomes hilarious in, in a really like oh no this is my life and my job kind of way um <laughs> it's not my job anymore i can say that really? um but um i i think i think that is a really good point you've made to it and, it and it is why i think i like it because actually i find that with the thick of it even though i've watched it so many times i i don't really care what's happening like i don't really care for the plot i don't really care for what the kind of the narrative vehicle is i'm just interested to see how characters react to what's happening and how characters react to each other and that's all i care about and i think it's the same with capital is that 
I mean, the capital punishment thing, you're right. I think it is a little bit too much like the stars are aligning. And, and I just kind of like, after a little while, I just kind of forgot about that. And I didn't really care. And it was, and it was just the, the, the different characters and the different voices. And I, I, I love when they start bringing in like, um, when they brought in like Harry Enfield on it. And when they brought in Jon Snow as well. He was <laughs> just apparently great. really, really keen to just play himself, which I, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that is that is right. It's it's that, and I think you know it's it. They all kind of sit on this spectrum, but really, the the vehicle for the the narrative vehicle doesn't matter. It's just it's just how they play off against each other, whether that's agreeing with each other or trying to kind of politically stab each other in the back. Yes, I, d- I definitely I give it another listen. I give I give episode two a listen certainly. But mm. what I'd be hoping to hear was other characters pop in their own way as much as Liam Williams did. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because in, in, in the thick of it, you want to see Tucker go mental on someone. You want to see all <laughs> You want to see whoever is currently in charge just be trapped in situations that no one could escape from. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, and, yeah. and those things are very, are very kind of clear. And I, I feel like in this, Liam's very clear and the others are sort of, yeah, they're kind of potential. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. From episode one, from episode one only. Mm, mm. I think uh, the second episode starts. Freddie, have you listened to the second episode? Yeah, I, I, I've got a few through. I think well, by the time you get to about three, I think three is where you start seeing some of the other characters really come into their own and really start to kind of play a game and, yeah, fuck things up, for yeah. want of a better phrase. Because I, I liked the beginning of the second episode where it starts with that moment where, you know, Charlotte comes in all flustered and she's like, look, I had a bit of a lunchtime drink earlier, maybe a bit early. And then you find out she came in and just hurled insults at all of them. And then it may give them all like really bad nicknames, which I think sort of sends some dark energy into the room from that point as well and brings this kind of like brittle tension to the whole thing. One thing mm. that I think I really do want to see uh, explored more as well was the fact that it seems that this is also a bit of an observation on the fact that when you get into these kind of rooms and people are backing these ideas back and forth something like death and murder becomes so uh, trivial and I think there's a moment apparently where they're talking about using a dead body as a pinata or something like that in one of the later episodes so I think it's gonna it's already kind of there but it will reach a point where death and murder and the severity of what they're doing is, is, is you know quickly vanishing in amongst the fact that they're just doing a task they're just trying to bring yeah. this thing into being so yeah it was it's really interesting choice and actually i recognized um charlotte ritchie is she was in fresh meat i don't know if you either of you guys saw that but she was with joe thomas yeah, and the guys in the student flat yeah uh, yeah i think she's really good and i think her character as well is is great like she's trying to bring energy into it but she's also kind of flustered and a bit out of her depth as well you get the impression um mm. so yeah enjoyable nice one freds cheers Cool. Are you called Freds for short? So, some people call me Freds. Yeah, it's weird. What I do suddenly you get like pluralized. <laughs> I'm not sorry. That wow sounded really negative. I mean, that was a jet. That was an honest wow. I was like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> someone, but I, I, I feel like I'd be giving it to them against their will. So, <laughs> owning it. Yeah, I can't remember if you had a say in it, Freds, but it's no, happened. I, so. I've never, I've never have. But I've just, I've just, people just default to it. Like it just happens after a while. It doesn't matter. Like people will have never have heard anyone else call me that, and then they'll just start doing it. And I, I've just, I've, I'm not fighting it. Hey, I'm not fighting this it. This podcast, when it blows up, you'll be Freds forever. You'll never yeah. be Freddy again. Next recommendation is coming from you, Stuart. Could you tell us a little bit about it? 
Yes. Okay. So I know you're laughing as you as you set it up because it is just the most completely lunatic thing. It, 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 but which isn't to say it's without structure. Uh, okay. To start at the beginning, it's called Brian Gittins and Friends. Brian Gittins is a character. He is the creation of a comic called David Earl. And he's had a sort of an interesting background, I think. Um, he came to the Edinburgh Festival and he was one of those. This has happened with one or two people. Adam Riches, I think, was the other. He came to Edinburgh, got a five star review on day one and then got really ill and had to go home. So his his kind of opening, <laughs> this was years ago, his kind of opening. I mean, it sounds like a setup for his bits, but in reality, <laughs> his kind of big opening. Wow, this is going to be his year. He's going to get nominated for Newcomer. Everyone's going to know who he is. Kind of was a was a bit of a squib. It kind of was like, oh, he's about to, oh, oh, that's not happened. Oh, In the meantime, I think he's had a couple of kids. And so he is someone who, I'm just such a champion of, of Brian Gittins. I've seen him do like a stand-up. I'm going to talk, I'm going to ignore David Earl now and just talk about Gittins. Yeah. Um, the character. So I, he does a, I saw a stand-up show at uh, the McHuntliffe Comedy Festival last year where he was just wearing a bear suit. And it's kind of in his character. He's got big, thick bottleneck glasses. And he kind of talks to me like that. <laughs> just did the whole thing sweating in a bear suit for no reason. And it was, I was literally, there were three separate moments when I cried with laughter. And I watch <laughs> a lot of comedy. And this mm. just got me. So I, I, have, I hold him in the highest possible uh, esteem. This podcast he's doing is, I think it's his second or third long-running show, and it is, um, it's him interviewing a comedy guest, a uh, different guest each week. The, the, the episode that I asked uh, you to look at was with uh, Robin Cooper, who's a, a creation, he's a, another character, um, a creation of uh, Carl, uh, is it Robert Popper? Yeah, Carl, I, I can never, the guy's real name, I get confused. Um, but it's Popper's creation, and I think he's called Robin Cooper. Um <laughs> And he, uh, Brian, in the studio with him, has a sidekick called David Edwards. And effectively, the structure of the show is that... Let me try and put this in a sentence. <laughs> um, Brian, the character Brian, will... Uh, bully David and encourage his guests to join him in bullying David <laughs> by setting him wildly unreasonable things to immediately improvise a response to. <laughs> so there is a robot called Charles Petrescu who frequently interrupts and you get the impression that Brian is, that David behind Brian is, um, is running this live. I don't know quite how, how live he does it, but it sounds very much like he's conducting two interviews in character, bullying one of the people, trying to encourage the other one to join him, whilst also typing in, whilst calling up sound effects live as if it were kind of a radio show, whilst also typing in words into like a voice synthesizer for the robot Charles Petresco to join in the, the bullying. And it'll always be set somewhere. So he'll just, he'll surprise David Edwards with it. He'll say like, well, obviously today, David, uh, we're in a sweet shop. And, and David just has to run with it. And so, what's, what is so beautiful about it is they, he improvises with such a high level of skill that's almost invisible because, I mean, if you say improv to me, I'm not interested largely. I don't want to go and see an improv show where people shout out suggestions in the audience, that sort of thing. I, I've seen enough of that. Thanks. It was great. Um, but when it, when you hear Brian say, stop pointing, and, and David will just go <laughs> with time you're like oh terribly sorry yeah put those back in the holsters and he it is it is the most he is making him jump through the most torturous hoops 
in order to understand what's going on. In this episode, they're having a boxing match. So suddenly David has to face off against this opponent, Brian's being his, you know, and you, you get the impression, I'm certain, that David doesn't know any of this until he turns up on the day, <laughs> on, like, until they start recording. So Brian will then start kind of massaging his shoulders and going like, right, you're going to get in there. And uh, he, he, here's your opponent now. Here she comes. And David's like, it's a woman. He's like, yep, how old is she? Well, she's 12. You know, And then suddenly he's having to fight a girl whilst answering questions. And his, his ability to roll with it, David Edwards' ability to roll with it and come up with something when given the most abrupt and kind of excoriating challenges is just is screamingly funny. I love it. I'm just, I, I am working my way through the whole series and I'm recommending it to anyone that I can. Yeah. Oh my God. It, I just, so with me, I've been looking for a podcast to replace, not replace sounds cruel, but Athletico Mints, I used to listen to a lot, which is Bob Mortimer and Andy Dawson. And I've been listening to that one for like 40 episodes. And I think it just reached a point where all the bizarre aspects of that podcast that catch me off guard and make me laugh and sort of almost like I'm being tickled and jolted uh, because I'm not expecting it, it started to almost wilt away as I started to know that podcast so well. And it did actually become almost like a catchphrase comedy after a while, which is fine, but not my kind of thing. I went to go see it live and people were yelling their favourite phrases out from the audience and I, I didn't want it to solidify that much. So for you to recommend me this, I mean, I listen to this at 6am just leaving my house uh, in the morning just just going to work and usually I don't listen to I'm not really awake enough to laugh at that time but as soon as Mm -hmm. Dave said referred to himself as a blonde gas I was like (laughs) I've got my podcast like this is this is it like this is the one that I've been looking for. It's like it's like another level of improvisation in comedy we say and I I don't know how much intro there is to my presence here I'm a comedian and uh, do a podcast in which I interview hundreds upon hundreds of comedians and, but in comedy, something that comes up a lot is that people say you don't go for the first idea. If you're trying to combine two concepts and in a funny way, go for the third one because everyone, <laughs> the first one's too obvious. The second one is what the clever kids will have thought of. You've got to go for the third one. You've got to go deep. <laughs> and so these are guys who, like the best improvisers, like Noel Fielding, like Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer when they were doing, you know, um, The Weekenders. Uh, you, it, they just jump immediately to the most insane thing that I could not replicate that thought process. No, no, absolutely. You know what I mean, so a blonde gas is a really good <laughs> example of that. You know, he's, at one point in this episode, he says to David, "So if you were a serial, like mid-boxing match, he goes right time for a question. If if you were a serial killer, what would your name be?" And I think he says it'd be something like. The, the merchant, the merchant of murder, and it just comes out immediately. And then they spend all this time picking apart exactly why. And, and in the meantime, this character, Robin Cooper, is misunderstanding him and, oh, and just man. tripping him up. And every time he says something, it sort of gets a foothold in, in, in a world that he's building. Rob <laughs> will then jump in and completely undermine it and mishear it in a very funny way, deliberately. You know, oh, yeah. You've got this, uh, yeah. Uh, it's Sorry, just, I interrupted you no. saying, saying how much you enjoyed it to remind you how much I did. <laughs> it's worth reinforcing. I mean, I just, uh, and I love the moments. I mean, this is something as well. Where improv, obviously, like you're kind of paving it as you go. And the fact that they sort of set him, set him up, set Dave up uh, upon a particular path. You know, they say, do you remember when you did this? And then Dave yes. will give his answer. And they'll be like, no, 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 not that, not that. Yes. Really like making him strain <laughs> for it. Like when they're like, yes. when you're doing the, the comedy in the cave, what was that first joke? 
joke you did and they make him do like three before they say yeah that was the one I was just like, oh, <laughs> like by that what point. was that joke you did imagine being forced to improvise a joke <laughs> that you had that you know that you didn't tell they're like you yeah. remember that joke there was a bit where I don't know if it's this episode or another one they've all kind of merged the best bits have all merged into one for me but um, when they're, they're talking to um, Brian and whoever the guest is are talking to David saying and what did you say to that woman and you could you could feel <laughs> that David is so uncomfortable with the territory of course you would be like trying not to put a foot wrong come on no what did you say you know when you followed her home and you said to that woman in the street she was very upset wasn't she and he's like oh, yes she was yeah he was just it's the best example of yes and you know oh, that improvises yes. rule yeah. he just has to accept everything and it is it, it's just incandescent it's the, wonderful the, uh, the, I listened yesterday I was walking through Waterloo Station and I had to stop and switch it to some mellow music because there was a point where I think the first question in the episode I listened to he just goes let's just kick this off um, Dave have you ever had a willy in your mouth and then suddenly <laughs> they've got these horns going bop, 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 and like this drum feels like a tirade of silly sound effects and I just like lost it outside uh, Waterloo Marks and Spencer's yeah. and I was like I need to pack this in it's just <laughs> I, I, but then the, I mean his answer as well was the most beautiful thing Freddie, sorry, I feel like we should bring your voice into this conversation. Uh, what did you make of... Uh, you kind of spilled a bit to me about... You were like, I'm trying, I've been listening to Brian Gittins and it is mental. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, I just... <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> this doesn't happen very often on Episode Party. And sometimes I have this little existential crisis about the whole show where I think we're explaining podcasts to a point where we don't need to explain them. But Stuart, I'm really glad you explained this podcast to me because it is genius. You're right. It's totally genius. But on first listen, I just was like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I've just got no idea. And like, I was enjoying it. But I couldn't understand why I was enjoying it or what was going on. I just got, like, taken to this weird place where stuff was happening around me and I was loving it, but I didn't really understand why I was loving it. So you've done a really good job of explaining. (laughs) I I have to say, part of the enjoyment for me in something like this, part of the delight. Now, so I I mentioned the Edinburgh Festival. I've been uh, going there for two. This will be my 25th year this August um, as a street performer and then as a comic. And, you know, I'm deeply entrenched in the world of comedy and every so often I will see or hear something that reminds me what it was like to go to the Edinburgh Festival when I was 17 years old and have my brain unpeeled so every so often I'll see something like there's a show called The Dark Room where a guy called John Robertson who's wearing a a cage around his head that lights his head only in the darkness um, it leads the audience on a uh, an interactive text-based choose-your-own-adventure on a video screen that is deliberately confounding and death lurks behind every corner. <laughs> so I saw that and I was like, oh my God, I just walked into this room and was like, what am I missing? What's this? And I feel the same way about this podcast and Brian's work generally, because part, for me, part of the fun is having to navigate this torrent of special effects you know, the first time he told David to stop pointing, I was like, why is he pointing? And then you <laughs> realise that he isn't pointing. He's just being, you know, it's just Brian bullying him in a completely arbitrary way. But it gets funnier and funnier as you go. And and like it, um, uh, Jack, you mentioned um, Atletico Mints, which I'm afraid to say I haven't heard. I love Bob Mortimer's stuff. Um, I suppose I'm, I've still got it in my mind that it's a football podcast. People keep telling me it isn't, but no, I have no totally interest not. in football. It's a bit of a hurdle. Yeah. Um, but I think... The, in, the, in the broader uh, spectrum, that idea of things becoming catchphrases, like ossifying into catchphrase comedy, I'm not scared of that happening with this because no. it is such a constantly creative barrage. 
And I think I think David Earl Brian's uh, his instincts as a as a creative person are brilliant instincts. He is so good at wrong footing. David, his guest, and you, the listener, that I feel like mm. it will just continue to generate just the, the this insanity. In yeah. his live show, he did a bit where he got a volunteer out of the audience and said, right, you've got to cross from that side of the room to that side of the room before I can say Dorothy Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> the guy just was looking at him, slowly crossing the room as Brian went, to, no, 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 you're fine. Like, <laughs> just, just, just insane stuff. But it's not... It's not random. It's like, in, no. I don't know if you have an episode of Buzzcocks where Simon Amstel challenged Noel Fielding and sort of said, come on, all your stuff. It's just yes. nonsense. <laughs> you know, and, then, and he sort of gave an example and it wasn't very good. He tried to be surreal and didn't get a laugh. Yeah. And then Noel said, yeah, but I'd say this with the same concept and was just the fifth thing. Do you know what I mean? The, yeah. the, the, mm. so it, and, and got a huge laugh. It's that, it's that level of creativity and and kind of absurdity and madness i think you're i i think you're right in that it won't solidify in the same way that mince does for the pure fact that the idea is as you say to torment dave and yes. for as long as that is the key if, if something <laughs> becomes too predictable then the podcast loses its edge because suddenly dave's ready for the you know the left hook as it comes that um, cannot be to happen yeah. yes absolutely i mean i cannot wait to dive into this more i, I mean I just uh, also as well i think the thing where he gets a rug pulled beneath him when he's clearly straining so hard to like think of a a, a way to follow this conversation so Somewhere as they're asking him ludicrous questions and then they say oh now now she's punching you and suddenly he's boxing again <laughs> yes absolutely just, oh and, and I, I just i cannot give enough credit to david edwards i've never seen someone be <laughs> such an incredibly elastic improviser yeah. to just accept every offer and every demand and run with them yes yes he is absolutely that thing absolutely about like what were those three jokes you told? You know, it's just, it's just amazing. Yeah. There's some of his other guests. Uh, uh, one I really, um, if you, I, I feel like I should prep this. The following episode, episode 25, the guest is Steve Cumbo Cumberland, who's a sort of awful, he's a character, and he's an awful kind of media personality who'll do anything to get on TV and thinks he's a bit of a kind of lifestyle guru. <laughs> but the thing is, what you might not realise until 10 minutes in, or potentially never, is that Cumbo is also played by David Earle. So oh, David wow. Earl is being Gittins, interviewing himself as Cumbo, whilst wow. harassing David as Gittins and trying to save David as Cumbo. It is so worth listening to, but I really, it's got to be like, listen to three of these first so you know the territory, yeah. and then give episode 25 a go. Because, you know, throughout, you can hear Gittins' voice crack back to being David Earl's voice as he's going, oh, this was a terrible idea, and then just having to try and get back into it. It just, it, I mean, it is absolute madness. Amazing. Um, I mean, I, I was vaguely familiar. I didn't realise as well. When I heard Brian Gittin's voice, I was like, I know that voice. Um, that kind of pirate drawl. And then I realised, you know, he's been in, like, he works with Ricky Gervais, doesn't he? He's done, he was in Cemetery yeah. Junction, in Derek as well. It's, but, it's really interesting because he was, he's in Derek and the character he plays in Derek is almost Brian Gittin's. Yes, yeah, same voice. It's kind of like, it, 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 it's not quite, but it's almost him. And so he's in this peculiar situation where he's built a character like Angelos Epithemiou was yes. in this situation where Angelos existed as a character on the stand-up circuit and then did Shooting Stars. And it looked like he was, you know, had he been invented for Shooting Stars or, you know what I mean? It's that weird thing where you have, uh, there's my character 
and now to put it in a, a pre-existing, you know, to let it play with other characters, it's slightly hyper-real. Yeah, it is, yeah. Mm. Like being cast not as an actor, but as your character. And it is strange. When you Google, I think you, when you do Google David Earl, it's all about Brian Gittins. And the in, it's, I think it's always telling when they say that someone's doing an interview with someone in, like, The Guardian or something, and it's an interview with Brian Gittins. It's not an interview with David Earl at all. Yes. He's consumed entirely. It's just, you know, that's yes. who they want to talk to. It's great. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. So, one more podcast, and it is mine. Uh, so, The Great Debates. The Great Debates is a podcast by three pals, uh, Dave King, Steve Healy, and Dan Medina, who all originally met at college, I believe. And they, basically, they just pick debate topics and argue them out. So, um, topics like trains are better than boats, or hot tubs aren't gross, or the guitar is the sexiest instrument. And it basically, it's driven by the fact that all of them have these really distinctive personas that lend themselves to the format. And even their voice, I think, lends themselves to their role in this case. So you've got Dan Medina, who's the moderator, who has this syrupy, like, advert man voice. He's at the centre. Then you have Dave, who is uh, quite aggressive, a little irritable, and almost sounds ready to kind of explode. And then Steve Healy, who is a lot more uplifted, a lot more calm, and a lot more jovial in the way that he handles himself. And I love how they just get stuck in. So they, I think the episode that I picked for you guys uh, was called Jim Carrey Doesn't Get Enough Credit. And they're keen to actually start talking about the fact that Dan Medina has just become a dad in real life. But instead, they can't because they have to start with this micro debate. So it gets straight stuck into a, a debate about whether you can live off turkey and lettuce and carrot I think instead of what they actually want to talk about so there's like a rigour to the format that they have to adhere to I love that it almost it doesn't try to be funny but I find it funny simply because of the format and the personalities involved it's humour that arises out of the situation rather than any explicit intent to make an audience laugh and there's several points in this particular episode where Dave says I'm not interested in winning over the audience I just want to win over moderator Medina and you do get the impression that actually uh, they do forget often that there is a, a kind of intent for this to be interesting or funny they just want to win the debate and the one uh, that I listened to the other day about trains and boats them yelling at the top of their lungs at each other about whether trains are better than boats it's just like they completely lose themselves in the debates which i really like and they've been going for long enough now that you could imagine this format waning but i think there's a sort of sibling style bickering kind of intensity between the two debaters which means that this podcast kind of keeps afloat and, and stays interesting to me um so yeah i'd be intrigued to know what you guys thought of it treddy what do you reckon yeah, I really like this. I think the, the, I think the, the thing that indicates that it was successful, at least in my mind, was that uh, it got to the end of it, and I went, "Was that it? <laughs> yeah, is that, is that it's over already?" Like they wrap that debate up very, very quickly, and I quite like that in a way. I'd, I'd love to see what happened if they just kept going for maybe another like twenty, thirty minutes, just to see how far they could take a topic and see how far, you know, whether it would just descend into kind of ridiculousness or you know they'd end up actually fighting. Or I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, but I, I found it, I found it really interesting that it just kind of wrapped up really neatly like that. I loved the kind of beginning part of it where clearly both of them are trying to kind of woo. 
Dan Medina as the moderator. They're, you know, they're clearly kind of playing to his ego to an extent, or you know, playing to kind of you know trying trying to be complimentary and 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 it's almost like it's almost like part of the game, I guess. And um, yeah, and then I just like how they they pick the topic and they just dove into it so passionately and and um, and you know they just they just went for it and they kind of you know obviously we're kind of improvising and you know thinking on their feet in terms of their argument but they they very quickly settled into their kind of sides and and just and just went for it and i like that i, I liked that how that worked i mean I, i'm just i'm not really um really familiar with that kind of debate format i, I didn't go to a posh enough school i don't think so um <laughs> but I, I i did really really enjoy it as as a thing and I, yeah it was just weird it was just so strange that it was just like it became like a really impassioned argument and then it was over in a flash and it was just done and um that was weird in a way, but at the same time, as you know, Jack, I tend to tend to need short podcasts <laughs> yeah. on my side from time to time. So, uh, yeah, twenty five minutes as a runtime is is pretty helpful. Yeah, nice one, St- Stuart. What did you make of it? I thought it was fine. <laughs> I feel okay. bad. Listen, I I'm uh, I'm very conflicted. I'm not a, I'm not a reviewer. I'm not a critic. I don't believe in those things. I like to either recommend things or not mention them. Um, and I guess so. With that, with that, with that disclaimer in mind, okay. I thought it was fine. Um, it was. I'm not familiar with those voices. Right. So to me, their voices all sounded the same. Their yes. approach all sounded the same. For the first ten or fifteen minutes, they were all talking over each other. I found it very difficult to listen to, because I did, couldn't tell who was who. I didn't know why I was supposed to care about what the things they were talking about. They weren't being funny. I don't know if it's pitched as a comedy show. I sort of imagined that it was, but they were just arguing for the sake of arguing, and it, like they weren't. I I didn't I didn't find that they were particularly inventive or particularly funny or particularly creative. They just seemed to be some guys arguing, yeah. and uh, that's fine. I, that's not really what I'm looking for in a podcast. So about 15 minutes through, it calmed down and they kind of it, like uh, it slowed down, and I could I could hear each voice talk over themselves, and I started to get slightly more of a sense that you know that one of them okay, I got the the moderate the moderator's voice. Dan Medina, I couldn't have told you who was who out of the other two, and they, uh, one of them seemed angrier than the other one. I wasn't, that didn't, that didn't incline me towards him. I was like, there's an angry guy arguing who wants to win a thing. Maybe it's just my personality. I'm a bit turned off by argu- argumentativeness. I just think mm. the, the ex- my biggest experience of stuff like that is when either pro comedians or pro improvisers are taking that as a starting point and making something out of it. And this seemed to not be that. This seemed to be just arguing, yeah. which if you're after a podcast about arguing, I'm sure you'll enjoy this a lot. <laughs> I, I was pleased that. when it ended. Right. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting point, and I totally hear you with that. I think it's it's interesting, and it's one of those podcasts where, and I've had this experience as well, where I think particularly to begin with, it's very difficult. I think especially when it's all men 
to 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 distinguish between personalities when the conversation's going that fast as well and i think as i've I've listened to quite a few episodes of it and so those personalities have started to uh, distinguish themselves in my mind but i think i maybe lost awareness of the fact that yeah when you go in it does get stuck in quickly which is what i like but it also means as well that suddenly it's a hundred miles an hour and there's these blurry shapes just all (laughs) whizzing oh you know but i don't know like do you root for individuals no not at all absolutely i I think for me the very thing i think that doesn't appeal to you actually is the the kind of things that i like about it which is that it's uh it doesn't really try i I don't really get the sense that it's trying to be funny for some reason i like that like i like the fact that actually at certain points that there's almost this kind of juvenile animosity like that brews in the argument but i think because a lot of podcasting, which in a lot of it that I like, is very much energies bouncing against each other in a way which is wholly positive, which, you know, which is fantastic. It's quite interesting to me to hear th- things clanging together like this and um, people really going at each other because I think this format really allows for a type of conversation that doesn't really exist in many places in podcasting. Sure, sure. And I don't want to, I mean, I think this is why I, one of the reasons I hate uh, criticism is, uh, of myself, I'm not a fan of that particularly, but the (laughs) idea of being a critic of things is very often the trap that critics fall into is to judge something against standards, which it's does not adhere to anyway. Yes. So by saying this wasn't very funny, if you tell, I, I I wrongly approached this thinking it was supposed to be funny. So I have fallen headfirst into the first trap of a critic, well, which is why I, would... <laughs> I. I don't know. I, I I think we have to like say you know if something isn't funny, it's I, I I hopefully I think as well when people listen they understand that if someone says it's not that something's not funny to them, you know it's like taste. If someone doesn't like sprouts, well I know, I you know. but 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 I, but I think if they my mistake was thinking they were trying to be funny. Oh, I see what like, you mean. Really like you. What you're after, it seems to me from what you've said, is um, is an experience where you hear people argue with each other. Right. And I'm not interested in that. <laughs> so, so I found, I mean, perhaps if they were arguing from, I mean, I get that they're kind of random topics, there's no preparation, but I don't think that they rose to the challenge particularly of approaching a random topic. Like with the Jim Carrey one, they didn't, they didn't kind of take a wide range of of it wasn't like a broad spectrum of ways in which you could argue about the career of Jim Carrey neither of them were very informed about the career of Jim Carrey they were you know which is fine you know it's not supposed to be educational but it, that one just kind of degenerated into picking each other apart on the basis of a, a way that they'd phrased it yeah and I just there's nothing more tedious than hearing men argue for the sake of arguing <laughs> I, I take that back i'm not saying there's nothing more tedious than that i'm not saying this was tedious just that someone going oh well you didn't say it like that yeah well i meant it like that well you didn't say it like that like i've oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean uh, we should say at this point i mean uh, what i've really enjoyed Stuart, and it's been nice to talk about three comedy podcasts today because i think comedy and what makes us laugh has been a really over the past year i've just become endlessly fascinated by that topic and your podcast has become such a means of me exploring that and it's such a wonderful oh, thank thing you. i'm glad um there is a podcast in fact that while we're 
Talking Now isn't out, but will be by the time this episode is released, where we all praise your podcast, I think in particular with Joe Brand. Um, which oh, is, yeah, that was a fun episode. one, yeah. Yeah. Well, allow me, so well, if that's already in the can and I can't affect that, allow me now to tell you all the things that are wrong with my podcast. In the spirit of, um, of uh, retribution for just having uh, <laughs> criticised someone else's. Um, and maybe you could save this bit and play it after the... Uh, <laughs> If, you, if you're all uh, enjoying my podcast, here are the problems with it. I'm pretty pretentious, so and I encourage my guests to be pretentious. So if you're after that, that's great. And if you're not, uh, that's not great. I actually say to them beforehand, I say, look, I, my favourite moments of the show are when my guest says, oh, it's going to sound a bit pretentious. And I go, no, no, that. That's yeah. the stuff I want. Uh, I, I probably come across as a bit smug or a bit bland. Uh, certainly according to some hate mail I received recently, but I do answer all the mail. <laughs> uh, did someone actually mail. say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They descri- um, Can I swear on this? No, I won't. I won't. Oh, okay. They describe it as a smug, arrogant C word. And um, oh, wow. I, I then gauge them in correspondence, which you're not supposed to do, but it's, um, the vast majority... Look, I'm not, I am blowing my own trumpet here, but I get a lot of very nice emails from people saying that the podcast has encouraged them to try stand-up or encourage them to talk about mental health with a friend or a professional. I get a lot of that, and that's really lovely. Mm. So one person every three years going, you're a smug, arrogant C-word. <laughs> Me being me, I then tried to engage with him and try and work out why he was so angry and yeah. try and heal him, which is what a smug, arrogant C word would do. Um, so, um, I don't yeah. know. So, like, I, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I, I have a kind of a similar relationship, I think, with when someone says something like that to me. I'm like, well, that's clearly the, the, the very extreme end of the wedge of like someone's thoughts as to why they don't like what you're doing. I, I think it's really fascinating to kind of push back and say, well, let's dig into that a bit. Maybe there's, you know, sure. something there for sure. me. Sure, I mean, you, you, as long as you remember all the time, they may be right. He might be <laughs> <Yes>. fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Stored it in there and go, well, you're wrong. How can I change that? But what yeah. you can say is, well, let's assume that you're right. But why did you want to tell me that? Why did you want to hurt me like that? What What is it that makes you want to lash out and hurt someone? Mm. So anyway, so I would say uh, in terms of other, other criticism, that, criticism that could be leveled at my podcast, I'm often, I feel like I'm so... Um, keen to champion everyone that is on the show that I sometimes don't I, I worry that I come across as kind of obsequious because I genuinely only have people on the show if I love them or an aspect of their their output and so I've had mm. people like Bill Burr and Stuart Lee and Russell Brand on the show and uh, and I I try I really try to push myself to challenge them on their preconceptions of themselves but in the case of Bill Burr for example he's a pretty scary guy and, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and at one point I did we had an argument about whether or not privilege was a thing I think it is bill didn't agree at the time but i i'm pleased to say he's done some stuff on it since that makes me think he's coming around to it all right um, but that got a bit tasty and i remember thinking i'm sure nothing would have happened but i remember thinking if he walks out this is going to make great tape and if he punches me i'm going to be famous <laughs> <laughs> So I probably I could probably challenge people a bit uh, more firmly, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm re- uh, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. I'm, I'm pleased you talked about it on the show. I'm very very proud of it. So it's, it's very um, humble of you, Stuart, to counterbalance my praise of your podcast with maybe reasons that people shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> too humble. That's my problem. I try to be too humble. I don't want anyone to fall out. I want everything to be okay. <laughs> don't do this show where I t- t- take the best comedians and go, are you happy? How do you 
how do you did you get what you wanted from your career <laughs> is this enough success what does enough mean and it's all oh god i'm just a bit groveling sometimes well, well uh, what i really like is your first because this is something i think about a lot when i interview people is the first question you ask and it's also something that i've started to try pay attention to is in in stand-up i'm not an expert on stand-up but that first joke is always really interesting to me and getting things rolling i think you have a really excellent knack of finding a way into that discussion that isn't just so where did it all start like you yeah because that oh I thank you it's like a... thank you that that comes from being on the other end of it right mm. and specifically i only realized this a couple of years into doing it i did a I did a reality show in 2010 called show me the funny which was billed as master chef for comedians and it was awful and um and <laughs> we were constantly interviewed under pressure whilst having to write brand new jokes to perform to millions of people on telly oh 24 hours from now so very high pressure situation and uh, a completely unrealistic like no stand-up is ever in that situation and um and they would constantly interview us and the questions were terrible the answers they wanted were all about infighting within the comedians none of them were saying how are you doing this how do you write that where does that re- rhythm come from where does that beat come from when do you spot yourself doing the same thing again? Do you have to change it up or do you refine it? And so I, I was just furious that no one was asking me anything interesting. So that's why I tried to do it. But anyway, I've monopolised this uh, uh, bit of the conversation too much. No, no, it's absolutely fine. I think, you know, Jack and I have been, have been we've, we've, we've certainly kind of uh, touched upon this genre in probably the last 15 episodes of Episode Party where we've, we've comedians interviewing other people. Um, and, and it seems like comedians are particularly good at it and i think that must come from finding a middle ground with your audience i mean i'm 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 saying that's what i think but maybe maybe you'll disagree with me Stuart. i don't i don't know maybe you'll agree with me because that's the that's the that's the less conflicting way to go but, um, but, but no i mean I, what what do you think completely right but <laughs> brilliant uh, I, I think that yes it's a double edged sword i think because comedians have got uh, in some respects we've got excellent people skills uh, mm. we as a nebulous amorphous community which is a ludicrous way to describe the you know disparate thousands of people but broadly speaking if you're a comedian then you have had the gumption and the confidence and the the moxie to get on stage and demand people's attention Mm. so that gives you a certain amount of confidence you are likely to look your interviewee in the eye which is something that interviewers don't always do people are nervous and they shuffle and they are uh, timid sometimes and they don't look you in the eye and you're two minutes in an interview trying to you're like ducking your head on the table trying to make eye contact with them you know um so so we certainly have that i would say that probably we uh, again as a, a ludicrous generalization the danger is that we are too brash and we're not that good at listening so what i try very hard to do like the the, the running joke in comedy circles is that you can tell the comedian because if you ask if you ask a normal person how they're doing they'll say fine and if you ask a comedian how they're doing they'll say yeah brilliant smashed it last night you should have seen me i was in southampton took the roof <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because, because the thing that we create is ethereal. It's like smoke. We don't end up with a painting or a video or a, mm. a sculpture. All we've got is the knowledge that when those people were together last night in a configuration in which they will never come together again, they really thought that I was amazing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's, that's that loose memory. So we're, we're, that, I think, tends to accentuate the sort of self-doubt that we have and that kind of lacerating you know (laughs) lack of belief in oneself because you're constantly being told you're amazing and then that thing is just a ghost it disappears so i think that um 
school. Come on, don't lose your point, you fucker. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I think that listening as a comedian is very difficult. So that's the thing I, I try to do in the interviews. When I, when I approach famous comedian guests who've probably been on 100 podcasts, I say to them, my USP, my, my unique selling point, is that I ask well-researched, provocative questions and then actually listen to the answers. Mm-hmm. And my dream, my dream interview is the one where Parkinson interviewed George Michael after he'd uh, taken a load of drugs and crashed his Range Rover into a shop. Um, he uh, he just says he'd been on the show a few times before, so they had a relationship. George Michael comes in and sits down, and Michael Parkinson says, "George, what happened?" <laughs> That's all he says. That's all I want to say. I just I my my dream interview is to look at a famous comedian and just go like get Ricky Gervais on the show, who I know listens to it, which is oh which wow. Is, I, yeah, he's mentioned it a few times, and you know he recommends it here and there. Um, I've invited him to come on it, and he said, "When I'm ready." But my my dream. <laughs> My dream interview is that I'll get Gervais and I'll just go, hmm? And then he'll talk for two hours. That's almost like Brian Gittins. Why did you do it, Ricky? One thing I've really enjoyed is hearing the change in dynamic that occurs in your podcast when you go from... uh, So you do some in front of an audience and some just with the comedian themselves. And the types of conversation uh, from my is like vary in quite a way which i find really interesting like it's a different type of show but you get something completely different out of it like your one with jimmy carr i just thought was i i reached the stage with jimmy carr i i have to confess i don't find him awfully funny but i admire the way he goes about what he does but to listen to him talk about the mechanics of what he does in such detail which I don't know the extent to which that would have been allowed to unravel in front of an audience, but the fact that it was just the two of you, I felt like that it got a lot more cerebral and a lot more detailed. You, you definitely, I would say about a third to three quarters, sorry, two thirds to three quarters of the episodes are recorded not in front of an audience, just, yeah. just me and the person in a room. Mm. And uh, I definitely, I, I certainly agree with that. You get a lot deeper when you do them live, almost without question, 15 to 20 minutes in, the guest will look at the audience and go, is this all right? This is tedious, isn't it? Because <laughs> to ask a comedian to be on stage not being funny for 15 minutes, yeah. they get, you get itchy skin. Well, <laughs> like, Stuart, I'm dying. I'm, I'm bombing out here. You yeah, know? Stuart Francis. I listened to that one. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would not recommend anyone start by listening to that one. But once you've got pen <laughs> under your belt, that is a really good example of how it can go the other way. Yeah. Wow. He just refused to, to, to you know, he, he'd never, I think it was only the second podcast he'd been on. He didn't know what he was in for. And so he was in performance mode. Yes. And you can hear me hacking and hacking away at him going, this isn't, this is really funny, but it's not what I want. <laughs> you know? And then when I eventually batter him down, he says one little thing about his childhood and you can hear the room go, oh, and then he's into, he's into riffing again. And it's all, it all disappears. Yeah. I think credit to you because... I think it'd been tempting to just kind of go into his flow and go, okay, this is the tone of this conversation. But you kept trying to drag him back <laughs> to your podcast rather than his stand-up, which I thought was, um, yes. you must have been hard work. But yeah, Stuart, this has been wonderful. Um, thank you so much for bringing your podcast into our lives and um, also your recommendation. <laughs> that, that's, that is too <laughs> that sounds, Do you know what? When I said it, I... <laughs> I meant Brian Gittins, but then I realised as it came out of my mouth, it sounded like I was saying, you know, framing you as a Jesus character. Um, but yes, no, it has been wonderful <laughs> to get both your recommendations to have your podcast. So thank you for coming to talk to us. Bloody hell. Thank, you very, much, thank you very much for having me. Uh, vote <laughs> Gittins. <laughs> and Freddie, if people want to find us on the internet, where should they go? 
Yeah, sure. If you want to send us um, hate mail, you can do it on Twitter. <laughs> um, we're at episode underscore party. Um, you can email us hello at episode dot party. Um, and we are www.episode.party dot party on the internet if you want to find all of our other episodes if you haven't already got them up on your phone on your podcast app. Love it. Stuart, and I'm, I where promise can people I'm... find you as well? Oh, thank you very much. I've interrupted you to say, hey, can I tell people where they can find my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, it occurred to me, we've not even named it. My show is called The Comedian's Comedian Podcast. And uh, people can find it at comedianscomedian.com on iTunes or wherever else you find your podcasts. And if anyone wants to come and see me on tour, uh, I'm doing my own stand-up show. It's called Like I Mean It. And uh, I'm pleased to boast that it was one of the top 20 best-reviewed comedy shows at Edinburgh last year. Uh, that is coming all over the country at the moment. The tour happens till June and you can go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour to find out where you can see me. Wonderful. Excellent. Cool. I've said that a few times. You can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Beautifully done. Well, thank you very much, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Freddie here. If you're enjoying Episode Party, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It means a lot to us and it really helps us out. Thanks. Thanks.